Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you mean you want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosy moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. I don't know what your experience with prayer has been, especially your experience with corporate prayer. And what I mean by that is just praying in public, praying in groups of people, praying around other people. I don't know if you feel like your spiritual vocabulary is strong enough to pray next to somebody that you think maybe has a, a stronger uh, spiritual vocabulary. But I, I know for me, like I, I remember when I was younger in the church and, and you were like called upon to pray with a neighbor or maybe you were praying like in a circle or maybe you're a part of a small group and like and you're just going to kind of do the popcorn prayer thing. Like there's just like no order to it. Like just whenever you feel led, you pray and you're like, what if I don't feel led? Like is everybody waiting on me? And you don't really know like what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to do it. Or maybe it's just praying by yourself, trying to figure out like what you pray and how you pray and when you pray and what words to say and what words not to say. And is it okay to quote, you know, some songs that you like that you feel like would help you to pray or things that you've read before. And man, prayer is this really interesting thing because supposedly it's this conversation with God and God already knows what we have need of before we ask it according to the Bible. So why do we have to pray? Like if he already knows, like why do we even have to talk to him? Like what are we supposed to do? It's like, we're telling him what he already knows. It seems like a waste of time, right? And, and so today what I want us to do is to conclude this series that we've been in for a couple weeks called The Essentials. Two weeks ago, we started and we talked about preaching and we talked about the Bible. And I said to you that if the only time God's word is speaking to you is when I'm speaking to you, you're missing out. 
And then we talked last week, Pastor Nick and I, we shared about worship and the idea of what worship is. And we talked about, you know, being prepared for worship and the expectations in worship and what it really looks like for us to worship together and then even separately. And so today I want to spend a little more time unpacking some of the things that we do together. And I want us to talk about prayer. We pray when we come together. We just did it a few minutes ago. We pray uh, just every single time that we gather, we pray. Sometimes I lead those prayers. Other times people come to the front and pray with you. You can pray with people up front about needs that you may have or things that are going on in your life. And so there's things that are happening. And so we want to pray, but we also want you to be praying on your own. We want you to be praying and talking to God when you're by yourself, when you're in your car. And, you know, I know, you know, we see the images in our head, perhaps of us kneeling beside our bed and, you know, our hands clasped like this. And that's how we pray. But maybe there are other you know, postures that we can take, other things that we can do. You know, in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says this. It says, one of those days, talking about just this random day that Luke is describing here in Luke chapter 6. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Now, the idea that we would spend all night praying may seem a little overwhelming to you, right? He spent all night praying. But here's what I love about this verse. One of the most powerful things that you and I can do is we can do something that we know specifically Jesus himself did. Like as we're trying to figure out life and as we're trying to figure out spirituality or we're trying to figure out faith or Christianity or whatever it is that you want to call it or whatever it is that you may be pursuing with your life, you know, being a better person, whatever, whatever that looks like for you, if we know specifically that Jesus did something, then us doing that is a great place to start. Like I know sometimes, and we talked about this a little bit two weeks ago when we were talking about the Bible, I know sometimes there are gray areas I know sometimes there are things that are a little difficult to figure out, but if we read explicitly in Scripture that Jesus himself prayed, I think that's something good we should do. We should pray. But not only did Jesus model for us a prayer that he prayed himself, he also taught us how to pray. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love with you, for you to flip with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. It's the first of the four Gospels that really catalog the life and ministry of Jesus here on earth. Matthew chapter 6 is this place where we read in the middle of Matthew 5, 6, and 7 here, we're reading Jesus' first sermon. So not only did he pray himself, but in his first sermon, he was really teaching some basic, foundational, fundamental truths about following him, living lives that pleased him and honored him, and how he would live as he was on the earth as well. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 5, he teaches us how to pray, and this is what he says. And when you pray, so let me just stop right there. I'm not going to stop every four words, but let me just stop right there. He didn't say if you pray. He said when you pray. There was an expectation in the instructions that you would pray, that you, you and I would participate in prayer. Not if you pray, if you get in trouble. He says, no, no, no. When you pray, there is an understanding that you and I would pray. So when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. And then this is what we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name or, or exalted be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When I read these instructions from Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, I see four truths about prayer that I think will help all of us related to our prayer life. So if you want to take notes, you want to jot these down in your phone through your notes app or something like that, feel free to do this. But four truths that I see about prayer, and they come right out of this passage in Matthew chapter 6. Verses 5 and 7 talk about the idea that prayer is not performance. Prayer is not performance. Look at what we read in verses 5 and 7. It says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Verse 7 says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard uh, because of their many words. Prayer is not performance. You know, in the sketch that we just saw, he was talking about the lady. Now, she was probably very sincere, but she was using words that he didn't understand or maybe he wasn't sure where they came from. I know a lot of times... There is a fear in us if we are praying in public. Maybe you're sitting around Thanksgiving dinner, and right before, you know, they pass the stuffing or the turkey, Grandpa says, hey, why don't you go ahead and pray for the meal? And you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm supposed to pray. What am I supposed to say? I haven't really been to church that much. I don't know if they've updated the language, and so I'm not really sure, like, are they going to know that I'm a fraud or, you know. And so sometimes we, we think we got to fill it up. we we got to make it sound really spiritual. But no, Jesus right here, he says, listen, it's not a performance. It's not about being seen. It's not really about being heard and how others interpret your words. It's not the fancy words that you use. And that doesn't mean, what he's saying here in verse 5, doesn't mean that you should not pray when you gather. The synagogue here would be our equivalent of where we're gathered now at church. It's not saying that you shouldn't pray, but he says those people, their motives for praying in the synagogue or on the street corners is to be seen to be heard, for people to respond to them and what they're saying and what they're doing. And so you stand up and you declare loudly, like if I were to say to you, hey, let's just pause right here. And I'm not doing this, so don't get nervous. But if I were to say, hey, let's just pause for a second and let's just all pray out loud, just right now. Some of you would have to go to the bathroom immediately. Like you would just, I think I'm going to slip out. I'm just going to, I just, you know, I just, it'd be better for everybody. Others of you, you'd be comfortable with that. The tension for all of us is that we're not thinking about what the person beside us is hearing right? Because if we start praying, we think, well, I got to make sure that if they're listening, like if they're between words, if they're between phrases, if, if I'm praying louder than they're praying, that they, when they hear me, they think, you know, this is a pretty spiritual person that I'm sitting beside. Like, this is good. Like if lightning strikes, it's not going to strike our row. Like we're good, you know? <laughs> and so prayer is not performance. It's not about what you hear or what others hear you say. It's not about you performing for other people so that they think that you are spiritual or you have the right vocabulary. I quoted Soren Kierkegaard. He's a, a theologian that I really enjoy reading from time to time. This is what he says. He says, the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. Your prayer and the words that you choose to use are really about you seeking the will of God Trying to discern, if that's a fancy word for meaning just distinguish, trying to understand what it is that God may be saying to you, what God may be wanting to do in you. And so prayer is as much about just having this conversation with God, which leads us to the second thing that I see in, in prayer. Prayer is personal. Prayer is personal. We read in verse 6 where he says this. He said, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Prayer is not a performance. Prayer is personal. Prayer is this ongoing personal conversation between you and God. And maybe that seems overwhelming to you. 
Maybe that seems like this crazy idea because God's out there and he is unseen and you don't know what he looks like or what he sounds like or you're not sure what this, you know, are you just supposed to throw all your prayers up or does he actually throw some prayers back down and can you hear them and can you distinguish them and what does that mean and what does that look like? So I think for all of us, we're trying to figure that out. This quote I love from W.S. Bode, he says, prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. Omnipotence is a word that means all-powerful. And so when we're talking about this personal conversation with God, what we are doing is we're recognizing what we just prayed, what we just sang, that he is all-powerful, that the, the needs that I have, they can actually be found, that the solutions to those needs can be found in him, that he is omnipotent, which is, I get, I get it, it's a $2 word, it's fancy. It just means he has the power, he has all power. My weakness in prayer is leaning on his power, his strength, his might. It's just a conversation where you're acknowledging to him, God, I don't, I don't have the strength to do what needs to be done. I, I don't have a way to make a way in the situations of my life. And so even in corporate prayer moments, even when we are gathered together in a room like this, or maybe in your small group, or maybe you know, you're sitting around a table, or there's something happening, and there's other people there, even in that moment, your prayer is personal. It is a conversation between you and God. Imagine that you're at a dinner party. You know, your work's throwing a big dinner party, and there's a bunch of people there, and so, you know, there's, there's snacks over on the right, so I'm probably gravitating to the snack table, so I'm, you know, grabbing some snacks, and I'm circling back two or three times, and that's fine, but, so you've got that, but there's a lot of conversations happening in the room, and, and the worst part of a dinner party is where somebody would come to the front, it's usually somebody like me, and they would stop all the conversation, and then they would talk Hey, thanks for coming tonight. We're glad you're here. And then they start telling you why you're there. We're here to celebrate, you know, what's happened and this and that. And the best part of a dinner party for me, not for the introverts in the room, but the best part of it for me is when we're just having one-on-one -on -one conversation. We're just walking around talking to people. Hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a while. And you're catching up and you're talking about what's happening. How are your kids? How's your family? How's school going? How's the job? Like, and you're just having conversation one with the other. Imagine that that is prayer. It's just everybody having their own one-on-one -on -one conversation with God. I know the metaphor may break down in your head, but imagine that God is just walking around the room talking to everybody at the same time in a very personal way. That's what prayer is. He's talking to you. He's listening to you. And when I say that, when I say he's talking to you, I realize that there are some of you who go, I've never heard God talk. Like, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Let me just kind of put you at ease. The Bible gives us some specific examples in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about God speaking. In the Old Testament, there were times that he would speak, you know, through someone. He would speak to the prophet. He would speak to the judge. He would speak to whoever it was that was kind of his mouthpiece to his people. And there were a lot of times, a lot of examples where he would speak to that person and then they would declare those truths to the people of God. Hey, here's what God is saying to all of us for this time. We're supposed to go charge that hill. We're supposed to go do this, obey this law. Don't do that. You're wrong. You're sinful. God's going to judge us. Whatever it was that he was saying to, to them at that point in time. In the New Testament, there were times, especially when Jesus was on the earth, that he would speak and declare the truths of God. And then later through the apostles, as they're planting churches and they're declaring truths. And then the Bible itself is the written words that the Holy Spirit had impressed upon these writers to declare the truths of God. But let me just say to you that I believe in my lifetime, God has been speaking the whole time. But I have never audibly heard his voice. What I mean is, with my ears, I don't believe, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't believe I've ever heard the sound of God's voice in my ears like you hear the sound of my voice right now. 
I hear the voice of God in my soul. It's not a cop-out. If that's a new idea to you, I promise I'm not trying to like manipulate you at all. Here's what I'm saying. The Bible tells us that the sheep know the shepherd's voice. The more that I am engaging in the tools that have been provided to me of the voice of God, the Bible being one of them. This is the inspired word of God, which means that two weeks ago when we talked about reading the Bible, it wasn't just about what the Bible would say. It is actually what God is saying to me, to you, to his people some of its history, some of its prophecy, some of its law, some of its truths, all of it is the story of God. And what we learn about the voice of God is that as God is telling his story through the written words of people, we actually learn what the voice of God sounds like. If I had time this morning, what I would do is I would bring six or eight people up on the stage, and I would have all of them just yelling at me, talking and screaming and telling me all kinds of truths and things. And maybe before service, I would have assigned one of them to be the voice of God. Or maybe someone else would have done that. Maybe Pastor, uh, Pastor Nick would have said, hey, I want this person to be the voice of God. And I would listen, and I would listen, and I would listen. And maybe if I listened hard enough, eventually I would pick out that one voice that's screaming the truths. I love you. I have a plan for you. I think you're awesome. I'm here with you even when it's hard. Other voices and other things are wanting my attention. They're wanting my time. They're wanting me to do something for them. But this other voice, this voice of God, is just speaking peace into the vulnerabilities and the chaos of my life. And if I would take the time to really listen and try to find it in that circle of all the things that are screaming at me, eventually I I believe I could pick it out. And then if I were to get closer to that person as they're talking, maybe that voice becomes louder in my ears, and the other voices that are screaming for my attention. There's a lot of voices screaming for your attention. Your job, the the home that you live in, the circumstances of your life, the calls on your phone, the text messages that come in, all of the social media things, the news, everything that's taking place, those are all just voices. And here's, here's what I'm attempting to do in my life. Even as I listen to those other voices, I am attempting to get as close to the voice of God as I can through Bible reading and scripture and prayer and worship so that the voice of God is not just the loudest in my life, but it's also the one that I recognize the quickest. So that in moments of chaos, when things are happening, and man, there's a lot of movement, there's a lot of things happening, I can quickly go, that's the voice of God. That's a lie from the enemy. That's the voice of God. That's that's not a truth of God because that doesn't jive with what I read in the Bible. He wouldn't say that to me because that doesn't line up with who I know him to be. God speaks to us. Prayer is personal. It is an ongoing conversation with God. What if you envision, what if I envision our prayer time, prayer life, to be like this text message conversation with God? I'm not trying to dilute it or saturate it or, you know, be a heretic or whatever. I mean, like, what if we just envision that, like, just like we do with our phones, if somebody sends us a text, we would text them back, and it's short, and it's quick, and there's a text back, and then they respond, and we respond, and, like, what if that's how we viewed it? Because I don't think that we have to always sit and pause and kneel by our bed with our hands clasped like this and pray these really eloquent prayers. I think what God desires is just ongoing conversation with us. God, help me right here. God, thank you for that. God, I'm scared. 
God, I'm happy. God, I'm confused. I think in those moments, as I get myself close to the voice of God, but I have ongoing conversation with him, I recognize that prayer is just weakness leaning on omnipotence. The powerful God in times of need is always present. And I know how to find him because he's waiting in prayer. The third truth that I see about prayer is that prayer is praise. Prayer is praise. Look at verses 9 and 10. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the most overlooked aspects of prayer is the praise part, I think. We're really good. Even if you're not a good prayer, we're really good at asking God for things. God, help me here. I, got the, I picked up that habit when I was a student in school, and I would show up and figure out, oh, today's test day, and I forgot. God, bring to my remembrance in miraculous ways all of the things that have been discussed in this class, even those times I wasn't paying attention. Just implant them into my brain now, God. I promise I will never sin again if you will help me to pass this test. No one's ever prayed that prayer, just me? Okay. No, that, that's what we do. Even when we're not students, we, we pray to God in times of need. It's amazing what happens, and I am in no way preaching against this, but it's amazing what happens in times of national crisis, how quickly even people that are not a part of any faith background, they're not connected to faith in any way, say, hey, we just need to come together and pray. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for this circumstance. And I believe in that. I fully support that. But it also just echoes this idea that we're really good at praying when we have need. We pray, but what, how much of our prayer time should be spent praising God? And what I mean by that is just thanking God for who he is or acknowledging him. That's a little bit of what we did just a minute ago in our prayer time. Just declaring his greatness and his strength and his power and his might. So that the things that we have need of are, they're kind of positioned in a different light. And I've probably talked about this more in the last few weeks than I've talked about it in a while, but it's, it's really focusing in on God and taking the focus off of our needs or off of our circumstances, allowing God to be seen as bigger in our lives because the things that we're facing are now seeming a little smaller because our attention is focused on Him. We just thank God for who He is. In the Old Testament, those saints, when they prayed, when they talked to God, they would say, to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, well, the interesting part about that, maybe you just thought they were rehearsing who their great-grandfather and their grandfather and their dad is or uncles or whoever it is. But no, 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 what they were doing is they were, before they asked God for anything, they were reminding God what he had done for their ancestors. To the God of Abraham, who gave a great promise to someone that was out wandering and didn't really have this purpose and this plan, you gave him a great promise that he would be a nation and he would give him a land and a, a promise and a, a people. And man, there was this great promise. And to Isaac, and you, you did this incredible thing, God. Thank you for saving him when he didn't have to be the sacrifice. So Jacob, you gave him a lineage and a heritage and you, you restored him and all of these things. Now, God, as I remind you of what you've done, let me tell you what I have need of. How different would our prayer life be if before we asked God for anything, we reminded God about who he was? Because here's what happens. We're not actually reminding God because he hasn't forgotten. We're actually reminding ourselves. To the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to the God who was always more than enough, to the God who showed up in times past. Now, my faith being built up because I remember who you were and I remember what you did, I remember that you are now. You're the God, same God yesterday, today, and forever. So if you did it back there, you'll do it again today. 
Let me tell you what I have need of. Prayer is praise. It's declaring to God who he is and how awesome he is and thanking God even for the little things. This is what Whitney George says. He's a pastor out in Oklahoma. He says, prayer keeps us humble when things are good and confident when things are bad. Prayer keeps us humble when things are good and confident when things are bad. This idea that it can do both is a reminder that in times of prayer, what we're doing is we're actually thanking God and petitioning God, which we'll talk about in a minute. No, it's like, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. The big things and the little things. And it's easy for us to think about the big things, but maybe there's not as many of them. God, thank you for these big, huge things. Thank you for my new job. Thank you for this new money, or thank you for this healing. But how many times do we just pause to thank God for the little blessings in our life? If it's true for you, and it may not be for everybody, God, thank you that I'm in good health. Thank you that my legs work, right? To, to get me up onto this stage. God, thank you that I have breath in my lungs today to sing, to speak, and to breathe without labor, pain. God, thank you for my family, if that's true for you. God, thank you for the little thing. Thank you that I have a car, or thank you that I have a house, or thank you that I have roommates so that I don't have to, you know, kind of take on this financial burden alone, or thank you that I have parents that still support me, even though I'm 34 years old, or whatever the reality <laughs> is for you, right? I mean, I'm just, you know, hypothetical. Nobody, I'm not speaking to you. I'm not talking about you. If the Holy Spirit's talking to you, I mean, that's him, but that's not me. I'm just, <laughs> no, what do we do? We just say, God, thank you. Thank you. Prayer is praise. Fourth thing is this. Prayer is petition. Prayer is not performance. Prayer is personal. Prayer is praise. And prayer is petition. Look at this in verses 11 through 13. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Listen, you can ask God for things. Anything I've said up to this point doesn't negate the fact that you should ask God for the things that you have need of. You should talk to God. You should petition God. You should ask him for the things that you have need of, the things that you desire, the things that you want. And just like we read earlier from Soren Kierkegaard, prayer may be not as much about changing God as changing the nature of the one who's praying. And I believe that. I believe that we see examples in Scripture where it appears that prayer does change the heart of God and the plans of God. I believe that we can petition Him. I believe that we can intercede and just pray on behalf of other people. I believe in the power of prayer. But I also believe that God is sovereign. I believe that the Bible tells us later in the book of Matthew and several other places in the Gospels and throughout the New Testament, and we see these examples in the Old Testament, that God is our Heavenly Father. And that as our Heavenly Father, He desires good gifts for us. He desires to give good things to us. And it says that, you know, what father would give a bad gift to a child that's desiring a good gift? No, no, no. The Heavenly Father gives greater gifts to us, His children, than even us earthly fathers desire to give to our children. I've got four kids. I want to give great gifts to my kids. I want to do things for them. I want to give them the desires of their heart. I can't always do it. But as much as I can, I want to give them those things that they want, and I definitely want to provide for their needs. But there are times when they ask for something, and I have to say no. Because I know as their father that it's not right for them. It's not best for them. Or maybe I have to say not yet. Because as their father, I recognize that the timing's just not right. They may need that thing. They may want that thing, but they may need to wait so that the timing is better for that blessing in their life. And I believe that. And when I got that view of God, 
even in spite, and I have a great father. His birthday was yesterday. I actually posted on social media about his birthday before I was able to tell him about his birthday, but I still meant it. It was from the bottom of my heart. It was his birthday. I have a great father. But man, even in his own imperfections, I see the heavenly father as the best example, the greatest example of what a father can be to his children. When that changed my view about God, I recognized that in his sovereignty, which is just a really fancy word to say that God knows best, God has a plan, but I'm still going to petition God. I'm still going to pray to God and ask him for the things that I desire, the things that I want, because prayer is powerful. Philippians chapter 4, you don't have to flip there, it'll be up on the screen. Verses 6 and 7 say this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is Paul writing to the church in the city of Philippi. And what he's saying to them is, listen, don't be anxious about anything. Well, if we could just get that truth, we'd be a lot better off. But he said, no, 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 instead of your anxiousness, instead of your worry, through prayer and petition, offer thanksgiving to God. And when you do, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. So the question today is, are you anxious about anything? Are you worried about anything at all? Is there anything that's upsetting you? Anything that has upset you? Anything you're uncertain about? Anything you're not sure how it's going to work out? Are you anxious about anything at all, even a slight little bit? Well, here's what Philippians chapter 4 tells us. In the context, this is what we're talking about in Matthew chapter 6. Offer that worry to God. Offer that anxiousness to God, and in His place, God will replace it with a peace that is not even fathomable in human understanding. And that peace doesn't just come as a gift, but it also wraps itself around your heart and around your mind to guard you. You know, we, we try to provide you opportunities for prayer and to grow and build your faith. We have these prayer walls, these little prayer boards up on each side. And some of you that maybe haven't been attending here very long, you look at those and you go, I don't even know what that is. It looks like little chicken coops, and I'm not really sure what's happening there. But on each side, they're, they're identical boards. There are three spaces. There's prayers for salvation, prayers for healing, and then just general prayer. So that if you have a need, there are pieces of paper on both sides of the stage, and there's a pen there, a couple of pens, I think. And you can just write any need down that you have. You know, if it's prayers for salvation, maybe it's for somebody that you know and love that is not in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you just write down their name. Prayers for healing. Maybe it's for you or someone that you know and love, and you write their name, or maybe you write their situation down. You roll it up, you stick it there in the little chicken wire. Maybe it's just other general prayers that you have, job-related, relational, financial needs, whatever it is that you would have need of. You just write those things down, and you stick them in there. And here's the thing. These continue to grow. Now, about every year or so, we take them out, and we allow you just to start filling them back up. But we take them out. And here's the deal. We do not open these and read them. Our job is not to read these needs. Our job is to join with you in prayer about these needs. So I want to be honest with you. About every single week, maybe I've missed one or two, but almost every single week, at some point during that week, I come and pray over every one of these boards. Our staff comes into this room. Sometimes when we have our, our monthly staff chapels or our, our, our staff meetings or we're in here, we'll come and we'll spend time praying. We did it just two weeks ago, I think. We walked through and we prayed over these boards. We prayed for every need that was in here without even knowing the needs. Well, last week I had a lady in our church who came up and she was telling me about prayer. She didn't know I was preaching on prayer this week. 
she said, hey, I just want to let you know that, man, these prayer boards, as I've, as I've put prayers in these boards, God has really been answering these prayers. And so what I always do on Sunday, when somebody says something to me that I really want to make sure I remember, unless I just know that I'll remember it, I'll say, hey, can you email me? Because there's a lot of people that say things to me on a Sunday between both of our services. And so I'll, I'll say, hey, can you just email? She was like, absolutely. So she emailed this to me, and this is what she said. As we discussed yesterday, I have had so many prayers answered for me personally and for my clients since we placed the prayer walls in the auditorium. I equate two contributing factors other than the mighty hand of God, a symbolic faith step of writing and placing the rolls of paper in the wire by me, and the constant top-of-mind awareness of not just me, but the staff and whomever else prays over these requests. Either way, it works. This is not an exhaustive list, but those that I can remember. Physical healing and a reverse diagnosis. The doctor called on his personal cell phone while leaving town to say, you have this, the scan looks just like my wife's. I wanted you to have my personal cell phone number. Call the surgeon, set an appointment, don't wait. Then after the biopsy, no suspicious cells. Major financial miracles. A huge unexpected tax bill came. I prayed for the money to come in by April the 15th, and it did. Two clients being brought back from the brink of suicide. Spiritual warfare with one specific client that could not be explained any other way than just the scales falling off his eyes, and he made a reverse decision to save his marriage instead of divorcing. I told a friend who was visiting from Tennessee about the power of the prayer wall. She placed a request about her marriage, and after years of counseling, her, fa- her husband may be opening up his heart about the part that he played in neglect. Hope infused where despair previously was oppressed, and new breakthroughs and ways of accomplishing business where a stalemate had set in. And this is what she said to me. She said, there's just one more prayer that I put up there that hasn't been answered. She said, but I'm still believing. Later this week, I got a text from her. She said, the last prayer was just answered. It was a, a power. When I got the text, I was driving down the road, and so I was sitting at a red light, and I, I looked at my text. I was like, "Woo!" I was having church in my car. Because here's what I believe. Listen, here's what I believe. God is not a genie in a bottle. He's not. But I do believe that you can ask God for the things that you desire, and I believe in his sovereignty as a good heavenly father that loves you, that he desires to give you the desires of your heart. He desires to do the things that you are asking him for. My brother's a pastor up in Kentucky, and he recently wrote this before we close. He said, I pulled out my journal from 2015 the other day, and I found a list of prayers that I wrote down on August the 9th, 2015. There were 16 prayers written down, and I knew God had answered some of them, but I had forgotten many of the prayers I had prayed that day. I took a highlighter, and I highlighted every prayer that God had answered. To my surprise, 13 of the 16 prayers had been answered, and the other three are still a possibility. Crazy, right? Not really. Now, I don't know how often you write down your prayers. I don't know how often you pray. But what I want you to know today is that you should be talking to God on a regular basis. Prayer is not performance. You don't have to worry if you don't know the right words to say. Prayer is personal. It's a conversation between you and God. You just tell him what you think, what you feel. You just thank him for the things that other people might not even think are big deals, but to you they're a big deal. So you say, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this blessing. Thank you for health. Thank you for life, whatever. Prayer is praise. You worship God. You lift him up. You focus on him and less on your problems. But then prayer is petition. You ask God for the things that you need. That's what Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6. And so here's what I want us to do today. I want to give you the opportunity to pray. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. And as you do, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front, our elders and spouses. Those are part of our prayer team staff. And I'm going to give you the opportunity here just for a few moments. If you have a need of any kind, I'm saying any kind, you say, well, that's too small. I can't pray about that. Yes, you can. Yes, you should. 
I want you today to come and join with these folks that are here that love you even if they don't know you because they love this church. They pray for you. They pray for this church. They pray for the people that will come here. If you have any need whatsoever, I want you to stand up in just a moment, come to the front, allow these folks to join with you in prayer. All you have to say if you're comfortable is, hey, here's what I'm praying for. Will you agree with me in prayer? Maybe you just say, I'm praying for, fill in the blank. Or if you don't feel comfortable, just say, I just want to pray for a minute. And they'll just pray with you, pray over you, pray for the strength of God. Maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that, but while the band is singing here in just a moment, maybe you say, you know what, I've got some prayer needs. Maybe you come to the front and pray with somebody. And in addition to that, or maybe except, or other than that, you're going to take one of these pieces of paper, you're going to write your prayer need, and you're going to stick them up on these walls. But we're going to walk out of this place in a few minutes. Beyond anything else that we've done, we want to know that we have spent time talking to God. Not performing personally praising and petitioning God in prayer. God, I pray right now. God, for every person in this room, whatever needs that they may have, but over the next few minutes, God, we would know we've met with you. We would know we've declared to you the things that we're thankful for, but we've also asked you for the things that we have need of. Meet with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.